I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. I'm Bree. And we are telling on ourselves. Yes, we are. Today and every day we do. Well, <laughs> most every day. Sometimes I keep it a secret. So then I have a good first thought wrong. Oh, speaking of which, Vicki, would you like to share first thought yeah, wrong today? Yes, I would love to share first thought wrong. Um, I was I was figuring out recently that it has been exactly a year since I started the Facebook group for our home group for the zoom meetings and all that jazz. And, you know, this is kind of a continuous first thought wrong. Like this has been happening all year. And uh, what it was is, you know, I did, I did initiate that group. Right. But I never want to take the credit for it. Right. And, and I always minimize the, the opportunity that God gave me, the higher power gave me and, um, being a channel for, for, for growing what, this little group that we have, the worldwide primary purpose group. And it's so neat because there are so many people that have just developed these amazing relationships that go to some of these meetings and, just watching it has been fabulous. And I really, really, really just, um, it's been very difficult for me to say thank you. You know, like my sponsor tells me, just say thank you and move on. Right. And because I'm, I'm, I'm fearful that it will go to my head and I'll feel like I'm this superstar AA person, which you can't be a superstar in an anonymous program. It just doesn't work. Right. So I, um, I finally was able to the other day kind of verbalize it in a meeting in a way that I was able to be thankful, but I was also able to be, um, humble and it wasn't false humility, right? It wasn't false humility. And I think before I just didn't, I was so uncomfortable with anyone saying anything nice to me. And I, I'm sure many people can relate to that because it's really hard to take compliments. When I was drunk, I loved compliments, but you know, um, because that's what I, I was trying so hard when I was drunk, but I have to share with you guys this really cool gift that was just sent to me yesterday. And um, what it says on the on the front is it says zooming the road to happy destiny, even though it's supposed to be of happy destiny, but zooming the road to happy destiny, COVID-19. And it has a picture of Bill W on a computer laptop. <laughs> and on the back, it has a door in 2020 and some like COVID cells or whatever those are. And on the back, it reads, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. That is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I got goosebumps. Isn't that neat? My friend, Teresa tree, she's in, um, the Cape Cape Cod. And she has sent me a beautiful, um, scarf that she loomed at the beginning because she was so grateful. And one of the things that was really cool is in, in, um, zoom, it gives people opportunity to come to these meetings that normally can't get to meetings very easily. And her son was, um, hurt in a car accident he's in a wheelchair and he gets to go to meetings every day now. And she's just super, I remember at the beginning, she was just so grateful that they would get to go to meetings together. And it was just a mm -hmm. wonderful opportunity. And it was so cool because at first he couldn't figure it out on his phone. And finally he got his phone to work one day and it was about two months in and everybody was like, yay, and the cod. it was so awesome. So the relationships that we build in here are real and it's so cool. And I just love this. I think it's, um, it's a, it's a precious little coin that I'm super, super happy to have. That's amazing. You know, I think about the ripple effect and Brie actually said this when we were talking about a friend of ours that makes uh, jewelry that you make it without any attachment to the results. And honestly, how could you have ever imagined the results from starting that little on that Sunday saying, we'll get together, we'll make this work, you know, 17,000 plus members later, and it's still growing. And, and I love the term of the zoom babies that have never been to a meeting in person. I mean, that just blows my mind. But yeah, Vicki, 
it was truly a true testament to service. You did this without having a clue. And I know how uncomfortable it is to accept compliments. I, I suffer the same thing and I'm afraid of being ego and prideful and all this stuff instead of just being grace, gracious about it. It's tough. Yep. So first thought right is I accept it. And first thought wrong was it took me a year to get there. So <laughs> yes, I, I qualify for membership. <laughs> But the good news is we have a wonderful, wonderful guest today. Bree, do you want to introduce our guest? Or no? We can take that out. Sorry. Okay. I was like, I I think you guys know more about her and I jumped onto the call late. So you might want (laughs) to introduce her. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I just wanted you to jump in. I I don't know why. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Lynn, go ahead. Or I'll introduce her. I'll introduce her. Okay. What time is it? 2544. So everybody, we are really excited about our guest this week. Um, I actually have been tooling around in this clubhouse, new clubhouse app, and I found this wonderful room about leadership and recovery. And you know, Clubhouse is fascinating because you get to hear all these really cool people and I um, connected with Maureen on the uh, Instagram, you know, you go through the, there's a lot of ropes you have to jump through, but we connected and I was lucky enough to be on her episode, which will be airing April 3rd. And um, I'll let her tell you about her podcast, but we've since developed a really nice friendship and we absolutely want her into the um, antics of telling on ourselves today and just super excited to share with you what Maureen is sharing with the world through her, her, her message. So Maureen, welcome. Thank you. Thank Um, you. I'm delighted to be here. It's so wonderful to have you. At the beginning, I like to do a definition corner, and I found a really cool definition, so I do want to share it with you. So your online program is the Emerge Leadership Academy, correct? Yes. I I looked up the definition of Emerge, and it spoke to my heart. It resonated so much. It was really cool. Um, What I found was to become manifest, to come into being through evolution. And I was just like, I love that so much. And then there was a, we'll talk about later, you have a paradox about the growth spiral expanding, but staying the same. So I'm just so excited to talk to you about your ideas. This is so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's so cool that you looked that up. Like I had never heard that definition either. So it's really special. I appreciate that. Word nerd. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, yeah. Do you want to tell us about your, your mission in life now? Yes. So I have been sober for a long time. I got sober when I was 24 years old and uh, I created an amazing life for myself. It's been, that was 1985, you guys. And I have gone through a a long or lengthy corporate career, uh, 27 years actually. And I ended that really wanting to step up and do a lot more training of leaders in the workplace and professionals in the workplace. And so I did create my own company, Emerge Leadership Academy. And what happened was at the first couple of years, I just did life coaching because I really needed a break from corporate, right? I I needed a break. I had to step back. And then I uh, created a program called the Leadership Empowerment Action Program called the LEAP. And then I started to do, I rebranded myself as Emerge Leadership Academy. And I started to do leadership training across New England. And then, of course, COVID hit. So for five years, I was doing all this training. And I had like 70 classes set up for 2020. And I did a bunch of training in January. And then February hit. And like the, the, you know, the bottom fell out. Everything canceled. Well, it started to cancel a little bit. And then it canceled completely. And then uh, all my speaking engagements, you know, I was about ready to speak in front of like 200 people at the Bryant University and all the women's leadership conference. And uh, it was just so sad to see all of these things going away. But I thought this is a perfect time to finally do what I really, really want to do. Like, I, you know, keep up in a game, right? As we continue to mature and grow in life. And I realized what I really, really want to do is get people in recovery into leadership. Because we already have so many tools and 
um, skills that we learn in recovery that lend themselves to leadership, right? So we have been down this path of diving deep into ourselves, and you need to have that when you're going to be a leader. And I'm not just talking about team leaders or managers or supervisors or even executives. I'm talking about sponsors and family leaders and being a parent, right? And also um, mentoring youth in the community and stepping into all of the community activities or maybe even government um, working on boards and things like that. There's so many ways that we can step up into leadership, including like service in 12-step programs, right? So I am sort of on a mission now to help people really understand how many skills they already have within them and getting a new definition of leadership so that they can see themselves taking more action and stepping up. Because you guys, nobody ever disagrees with me when I say the world needs more better leaders, more and better. (laughs) Not more, but definitely better leaders in the world. So that's my mission. That's what I'm here to do. That's fantastic. I I want to say that um, as you were writing, I mean, as you were, I was writing as you were talking, but what's, what's so wonderful about that is, you know, we always hear in the rooms that, gosh, we wish everybody could work the 12 steps, you know? Um, but what you're encouraging and what you're birthing and what you're empowering and what you're emerging is this idea of bringing our principles into the world through ourselves, right? Changing the world and with the tools we have been given from the 12 steps, from our recovery, from our mess, and really how can we infiltrate that in the world in or outside of recovery? And I think that is just so beautiful to give people that that lens to see themselves in. Yeah. You know, gosh, three and a half years ago, I wrote a book and it's called Emerge Seven Steps to Transformation, No Matter What Life Throws at You. Isn't that pretty? That's my book. And this, I wrote this with the quote, non-recovering person in mind, the regular everyday person who's like, geez, I'm 40. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't really know. You know, my kids are getting ready to leave for college and I'm in this career that I don't really like, and I'm ready to step up and have a transformation in my life. And so I put together these steps and a lot of it is based on what I learned in the 12 step program, but also from the thousands of other, you know, personal growth books that I've read and courses that I've taken and I've seen what works. I've seen what really works. So I put that together and put it out there. But as COVID hit, I realized, geez, I just, there's so many people that are already in recovery that have worked on themselves for a certain level that are ready to get to the next plateau or not plateau, but you know, the next high rise of the, of the mountains that we climb. And um, yeah, so that's, that's a real big passion of mine. I think it's really cool um, that we are able to look at the gifts that this pandemic has given us. And one of them is, you know, things are not going to be the way they were before, good and bad. You know, there's there's some things that are going to be changes, sometimes uncomfortable. But I think everyone has discovered how the world can be open to them. It's not about geography anymore. Having access to seeing you speak, you know, seeing everybody speak has just been, it's been life-changing for me because suddenly I realize I'm not limited by uh, resources, you know, uh, geography or time. You know, you can make time a lot easier when you're actually uh, just having to go to your computer instead of traveling somewhere. Um, That being said, do you see your growth trajectory still kind of going, um, in the online pattern? Or are you going to try to get back to in-person when we're back to kind of normal? Or what do you think is going to happen? I think both for me, because my personality lends itself to face-to-face and I love feeling the energy, you know, in the room. I love leadership training. And in fact, I, you know, I just landed a $10,000 contract this week, you guys. So doing training in, you know, back in front of the uh, classroom at a, at a nearby manufacturing company, I'll be training like 10 leaders over a period of six classes. But 
that is definitely not where I'm going to go back to. I do not want to book myself 70 training classes this year. I love this. I love not having to travel to get or, you know, dress up or put on all the makeup. I really do <laughs> like I, I you can tell not people on the podcast can't tell, but I let my hair stop being colored this year and it feels so freeing. There's a lot of a lot of to be said for just being your authentic you and not trying to, well, I'm the leader in the front of the class and I've got to, you know, put on this sort of facade. Um, I can still do and transfer my knowledge in this online environment. And I have been doing that all year. And I love working with one-on-one -on -one clients and small groups. So I did create one of the blessings of 2020 was it allowed me to get away from that classroom training and develop this what I call the recovery at work program. It's my online course. It's like eight modules long. And I'll tell you, um, people are going through it and they are being successful, stepping up in their careers or getting a whole new job altogether because 70% of the people in this country, the United States, have said in a survey that they hate their jobs. That's a lot, 70%. And 75% have said that the biggest stress in their life, in their job, is their manager, is their boss. And so I want to train bosses to be better bosses. And I want to train, you know, help get people to step up into being that, the people that are in recovery. That's the goal. That's so incredible. Um, I have a question for you. I'm super curious. What characteristics do you see in recovering addicts that make them potential or that you see make them potential good leaders? What are some of the common characteristics? Yeah, yeah. I, I would ask you that question, Brie, but no, I'll, I'll answer it first. <laughs> because it's true that I believe that we have so many. And in fact, if you go on my website, on my resources page, you will find a list of over 23 characteristics and traits of leadership skills that you have learned in recovery. And you just haven't translated that yet into leadership. But the first one on the top of the list, I think is listening, right? We learn to listen. We're excellent listeners. We also learn to listen with empathy. We have empathetic listening because we know how much we suffered when we were out there. And we really love to um, let other people share their stories. We like hearing other people's stories. We like hearing our own sometimes too, to so that we can see the kind of growth that we, um, that we have created for ourselves. And there is, um, we learn integrity and honesty, reliability, dependability, credibility. We also have really good bullshit detectors, if you know what I mean, right? We we can tell when people are like spinning a yarn. <laughs> so that makes for a good manager. We can call people on their stuff. We also learn how to set boundaries. We also have developed so much within ourselves. We help other people to grow. We know how to look at ourselves. And so we can model that for other people. So those are just a few things that come off on the top of my head. But I think that we can be also very clear communicators because we learn to speak and share what's on our mind in meetings. If you, if you do the 12 step thing or in therapy groups or however it is that you get your recovery. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. Same, um, same coin, different side. What holds recovering addicts back the most? Oh my goodness. They're the thing that jumps immediately to the top of my head is the, the famous imposter syndrome, right? We have a critical inner voice in our head that tells us, well, the two basic things, we're not enough and maybe we won't be loved or accepted. Right. So there are some personality types that don't care as much what other people think. But I think deep down as human beings, we all do care. And so we don't step up or we hold ourselves back because we are afraid. Well, what will people think? And it's the same kind of thing as Vicki was talking about earlier. We think things like, well, um, what will people think of me if I tell them how good I am or what an expert I am in this area? Or what if I talk about my accomplishments? 
right? They might think, well, she she's feeling really high and mighty with herself, right? That's not very humble, but that's just a story that you're telling yourself in your head. We do have humility, but you know what? This is I'm going to I'm going to jump over to another point here, and it has to do with this whole anonymity thing. Um, I grew up in AA. I got 36 years in it. I'm still the treasurer of my home group right now. I've been running our Zoom meeting for a year. I mean, I take responsibility in this program. I've been a general service rep. I've done work, you know, on the district level and, I, you know, to, to name a few things. And I'm an avid believer in the, the um, traditions. However, I think that our time for anonymity is past. I believe that it was a really good thing for in the 30s and 40s and 50s and maybe even 60s, right? When people didn't get into AA until they had stage four alcoholism. But we have so many more people in coming in to get this kind of help. And I think it's okay. I think it's okay now to stand up as leaders as we are in this community to say, I'm sober. I can tell people this at work. I'm sober. I had this disease and I know that you can get through it too. And that way people don't push social drinking events on us. They don't, they, they have a different respect for you as a leader. I don't think we're near stigmatized anymore that this whole thing of being an alcoholic, because it's our culture, the United States, it's like our freaking culture. This is what we do to, you know, um, have these transitions into puberty, for God's sakes. We drink ourselves drunk and we just don't have to do that anymore. Now is the time it's cool to be sober. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, yeah. I think for me anyway, I feel so much freedom when I meet people and I do tell them I'm a recovering alcoholic because there's no, there's nothing I'm hiding behind. I don't have any shame with it. And if it makes them feel uncomfortable, that's, that's their thing. It's not mine. I don't take that on, but it took me a little bit to get to it. But once I really understood the gifts that I was being given because of this journey, um, I'm very proud of it. You know, it's like, I wouldn't be where I am and have the people in my life that I have right now if it wasn't for it. And I do agree. The social stigma has completely changed. Um, we just, yeah. It's yeah, it's the same. Well, and so, as a, I'm sorry to interrupt. As a leader, when I was in my job, when I first got into my job, I was sober when I started at a new company, and I was a week sober. I mean, it was oh, wow. fresh, and um, and so I didn't tell anybody, and I got outed. I got outed by this gal who I was managing, and she um she told somebody that I go to meetings at lunchtime and it was like this big to do. And, um, and that's how the owners found out my boss knew, but she was it. And, um, and this was about 10 years ago. Um, so, and that was really horrifying to be outed by someone because it was a drinking kind of thing. And I wanted to just kind of be under the radar because that's, I was newly sober, but as that came out, oh my God, was it freeing. I mean, it was God did for me what I couldn't do for myself because then as a leader, we would do a lot of events and they were very mindful of my situation. We would go to Cubs games and they would be, they wouldn't not drink, but they wouldn't push drinks on me. And they would be respectful in certain situations where it wouldn't get out of hand. And it was just the best gift I could have been given is to let that let it fly. And now I am not ashamed of it. I am proud of it. It's actually the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. And I will, um, I, I, I don't, I don't throw it down people's throats, but it's part of my story that I don't have to hide anymore. Plus, you know, it's, it's perfect. It's like, you're telling on yourself, but I don't, I don't, advise anybody who's new in recovery to, to, you know, to do that because they don't really know yet, but at the same time, boy, that's so cool that that happened to you because then you don't have to pretend anymore and you're okay. For years, I pretended like I'm just still cool. I'm cool. (laughs) (laughs) But I also, how long have you been sober, Lynn? Uh, Three and a half years. Okay. So for me though, I didn't even really start quote coming out until I was like five years sober. 
And I understand that, but you know, you get to a certain place. If you're like totally committed, no, this is my lifestyle. This is who I am. Then you just feel comfortable doing it and, and coming out, so to speak. But yeah, I, in for a long time, even in the corporate environment, I didn't tell a lot of people. I can't tell you how many times I had this one boss and like for three years in a row, I worked for him and um, he saw, I never, we did team building events. I never drank. And I would always say I didn't drink, but yet what did he give me for Christmas every year? Bottle of wine. A bottle of wine. <laughs> Hello. That's called unconscious. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> a bottle uh, of wine. And then I, skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I'd have to try to find somebody to give it to because I don't know anybody who drinks, but no, my mother always got it. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> the same thing happened to me and my boss knew that I didn't drink. She knew I didn't drive, didn't have a license, was she knew the whole story. And we came in one day and everybody's desk had a bottle of wine on and she walked out and she saw my face. She goes, I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I am very sorry. I completely but spaced it, out. Yeah. yeah. I re-gifted it to my cousin. So it worked. But yeah, <laughs> after that, you know, I didn't get a wine tumbler last year. My boss, she got everybody those wine yetis and I got a coffee mug one. So there you go. Perfect. Consciously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, be corrected. That's um, great. I do love um, how you have your um, offerings for in your academy of, under leadership and also under personality. So people understand it's not just professional growth. And discovered in the podcast that we do have a lot of listeners that are not in recovery. It's really just self um, improvement and, and personal growth. And I like that this isn't just. Uh, towards people that want professional growth. You know, that it's it's also, like you said, you're a leader in your family or in relationships. Can you expand on that? Yeah, whenever I speak, um, I speak to everybody. Like everybody who's into personal growth and development can get so much out of these tools. Uh, but when I'm speaking to an audience who's, you know, strictly um, in recovery, you know, you could talk in a little bit different way and you can swear much more readily. <laughs> I'm I'm a truck driver kind of swear, although I don't mean to disrespect truck drivers in any way. Um, so the personality at work, I just became so focused on uh, personal growth and development. Like I became that personal growth junkie as, as many of us do. And I got into my corporate career. I was 24 when I got sober. I was about 30 when I had my baby. And that's when after that, believe it or not, that's when my career really took off. And in my 30s, I started to grow and climb. And I realized that the better I got at have get creating better relationships with people and more clearly communicating my needs and also serving others' needs by what they communicated, that the better my career got. So I got into understanding really deeply the Myers-Briggs type indicator and that personality style. And then in my 40s, I loved finding out about the Enneagram and I got super into the Enneagram. So then my whole family was into it. Me and my mom, we, my sister, we talk about it all the time and all my siblings are different, you know, numbers. Anyways, then I got into my 50s and that's when I decided I'm done. I've hit my glass ceiling. I can't seem to get any, you know, higher in my career. I'm leaving. I was about 53 at the time that I left that that career and I started my own company because I knew I had so much more potential and I wasn't I wasn't getting tapped. It no, you know, I I was done where I was. I grew as much as I could. And so once I got out, I got into disc, everything disc. Now this personality style is about specifically how to develop those relationships at work. How, so I, that's what I was, I've been teaching for the last seven years, how to really understand not only your own personality, but the personality of your boss and your direct reports so that you can delegate to them and their style so that you can develop better relationships for, with people that push your buttons and drive you crazy, or even go as far as to identify you know what? This is not just a personality type. This is a personality disorder. So I got my 
undergraduate in psychology in my 40s and my my master's in education and uh, realized that there are some people that you can't work with. And if you keep hitting your head against the wall, it's time for you to move on to figure something out. But there's certain personality types that have a really hard time moving on. They get into feeling loyal and all of that. So I help people understand what are their best skills and how they um, not only see the world, but what are their what motivates them, what stresses them out, so that they can really understand themselves better and step into that next level in their career, so they can work with people better, either that uh, again that report to them or manage up. We say that in the corporate world, we got to manage up because you know you, people eventually. This is my uh, one of my core beliefs that people will treat you the way that you feel and deserve that you deserve to be treated. And so if you're getting steamrollered at work, it's time for you to step out, step up and step out into something um, new and different. But sometimes people get stuck and they just don't know how to do it or they're afraid or that voice, that critical inner voice stops them. So that's what I help people understand. And when you take the everything disc assessment, it gives you a 20 page report on how to improve, how to identify what somebody's personality type is and how to improve your relationship with them. So it's been a game changer for a lot of people that I work with. And I just love, I could talk about personality like all day. (laughs) And isn't it ironic too, that in one of our traditions, it says, this is a reminder to always put, you know, principles above personalities, but that gave personality a bad rap because honestly, it's those principles that we do in, in espouse within our personality. Does that make sense? And that's how, right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what I see as sharing or giving would look completely different to Brie. Those are still our assets, you know, that we want to to highlight uh, living the principles, but it's completely different. And that's where the personality comes in, because we do personalize it. (laughs) Indeed, we do. But even just those characteristics, it doesn't mean that even when you take a personality type and like, you know, I I'm an I or I'm a, you know, E and F. P, you know, or whatever it is. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Uh, It doesn't mean that we don't have those other characteristics. It just means that we have priorities or we have preferences, right? It doesn't mean that we aren't all those things. And so as we grow and mature, we expand. That's what we do, right? We expand. If we're not growing, we're dying, they say, right? So we got to continue to expand into all those other areas. So then when we learn to, you know, take control and take charge and be directive, even when we're not. We're usually, you know, sometimes we sit back, but sometimes we got to step up. So anyways, it's just a matter of getting out of your comfort zone because, you know, and we all know in recovery, we get out of our comfort zones all the time when we first started feeling our feelings and we first started really diving deep and discovering our character defects and having to own them. That's really uncomfortable stuff. But yet the more you do it, the more comfortable you are with it. And pretty soon you could be, I have, can't tell you how many times I have cried on stage or done crying. And when you practice it enough, you can still talk and cry at the same time. It it works, (laughs) but I don't do that very often, (laughs) but it happens. And that's the thing. You just expand out of your comfort zone. And pretty soon your comfort zone is a whole lot more wider which is the paradox that I talked about at the beginning with the the growth spiral is that the more you expand, you change, but you're still the same. Yes. Absolutely love that. I think of, I think of rings on a tree because every year it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but its essence is still that little twig tree. You know, that's still it's, it's internal flow, it's growth, it's, it's energy is still that. And that's well, the promise. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally think of that as myself as well. You know, my, my circle does expand and I have so much more in my life now when I was using my life became very, very, very small and was scary. And I, I uh, protected myself through fear and shame and all those bad things. And now I don't have that. And I'm able to expand and, you know, stretch out and stick out my arms and legs and, and keep pushing. Yeah, because you know your ass is not going to fall off. <laughs> My grandmother used to say, "This is hilarious." She said, "What are you afraid of? They're not going to kill you, Nietzsche." <laughs> Ew. <laughs> 
it was yeah. a good fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but man. It's like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Right. <laughs> well, we try to keep ourselves safe. Like, we try to keep ourselves from being hurt, but we are so closed off that we can't be loved or helped or, you know, we just, it's so interesting because all we want is to be loved, but we hide in this little box and no one can love us through the box. You know, it's so silly. It's so counterintuitive. Yeah. Those fears, they really will do a number on you. And in the beginning, it's hard because everything, you know, your brain is like working overtime. You hear it all the time. You're so conscious of your thoughts because you're not stuffing it with alcohol or, you know, anesthetizing yourself with drugs or whatnot. And so as we become more and more clear, sometimes our anxiety levels go way up because now it's like, you really do have to walk through those fears without the drink. And, um, yeah, but then you get enough practice, like we say, and you do expand. You're not in the box anymore. But you know what? If you don't stay connected, if you don't stay in, in that recovering kind of community, you could easily go back because that ego voice inside your head, that ego voice is, it wants to keep you small. It wants to keep you safe. And so this is why it's so important to continue your growth, to continue to find things that inspire you, to continue your daily practices of getting out into nature, meditation, writing, you know, um, talking about your feelings, all of it. Because um, I've seen just too many people get complacent and then they just, they sink back into their box and, and it can be devastating what can happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the first step in relapse is isolating yourself, you know? Exactly. Um, and I was thinking about expanding too. And for me personally, what's more terrifying than putting myself out there professionally and taking a leap, you know, cause in the beginning it's a leap of faith. You don't, you know, we have no idea what the outcome is going to be. And to have the tools that you're talking about, I, I got so excited just listening to you talking about the disc because I, I think Brie can also commiserate. We're kind of at that point right now where we do need something. And when you said you stay out of loyalty, that is absolutely me because I do love where I work, but I know that I need to move on. And I just, I need that. Not, I don't need a roadmap. I just need a hand to kind of walk beside me. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, because that's what coaching is all about. Right. And I'm sure, you know, those of you that are coaches will attest we are witnesses. And when we and as sponsors, even right, we are witnesses to people's growth. So incredibly important. This is why the fifth step is so powerful. Right. When you tell somebody the, the shit that you went through and how um you know, how you live through the guilt and the shame of it all. And somebody witnesses that and says, wow, thank you for your courage. Thank you for your share. You're good, man. You know, time to forgive and move on. It is so incredibly freeing. And it, that, that really, that whatever rock, drop the rock stuff, that stuff that's on your back, you let go of that and you can, that's how you move on. So that's what my course is all about. First, you deal with the past. You Look at your beliefs, what we program with, all that stuff. Then you forgive. Forgiveness is so underrated. It's so incredibly important in our lives. But we have to be on the top of the list, right? We have to forgive ourselves for going out with, you know, kissing all those frogs and... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and doing the things that we were ashamed of doing. Kissing and, the frogs and hugging <laughs> the toilets and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The walk of shame. <laughs> exactly. Right. Waking up with no clothes on. It's not a good Where feeling. Where am I? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, I didn't even get to share my story and we don't need to go into that for sure. No, but. this is so good. I have a question uh, for you. I have a good, good friend that always talks about success being a stumbling block in recovery to some people's recovery when mm -hmm. they do start getting that success and they do start 
being able to pay for things or get their license back or all that stuff. And they start forgetting about the program. And he always says, I'm more worried about the, the alcoholic that starts being successful than I am about the one that's suffering. And I, I, I remember that. And I'm so glad because he was at a meeting I used to go to every day at 1230. And I, when I was becoming successful, so he always kept my head on my shoulders so that I wouldn't fall trap into that. Right. So we have two voices in our head. One tells us we're inferior and the other one tells us we're superior. <laughs> right. So most people, when you when you hear about ego, you think, oh, well, they're doing they have the superior thing going on. And your 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 voice could definitely tell you that, too. It depends if you're a man. Usually it tells you that. <laughs> I'm just kidding, really, but but <laughs> I'm totally generalizing. But usually, it's women who are more self-deprecating. That that's some of the, sometimes the voice that we have. But yeah, it's super important, which is why this the program and specifically this twelve steps keeps us right size by offering this leadership skill that we all learn here is humility. You know, and when you I, every single time I'm in a class and I tell people I put them in groups, I say, OK, right on the flip chart. Every the th first think about the worst boss you ever had and write down all of their qualities and characteristics. Then think about the best boss you ever had and write down their qualities and characteristics. And humility is always on there. Humility, integrity, um, making people feel safe, making people feel comfortable, empathetic. You know, they care. They care about their people. And <clears throat> the other list is those people that they only think about themselves and they only um, think about their own growth and their own success. And, and then they brag about it. That's why it's a fine line. This whole, you know, we have to own our accomplishments, but also stay right sized. Like when I ever I share, even on Clubhouse or wherever I am, um, telling my story reminds me, it reminds me that I have a disease that's arrested right now that is in remission, but it doesn't mean it's not, it can't ever be there. But that disease is really stinking thinking, right? And the also part of that could be, oh, I'm too good for this now. Uh, I learned, we learn right away, right from the beginning that um, nobody's better than anybody else. We're all humans. I don't care what shape or size or color or religion or sex or gender or where you live. I mean, nationalism drives me crazy, right? This, we're all the same people. People, get with it. <laughs> well, which is what's so fascinating about our 12-step program, right? Is that we are able to, uh, love each other with those differences. And, you know, it says in the book, um, people that normally would not mix. Right. And, and it is because of that humility and because of that acceptance and keeping your side of the street clean. And the thing we were talking about earlier principles before personalities, right? So it's just, I, it's so, it was so divinely created, right? And, and it's taken from a lot of different things, but what a, what a gift to us overthinkers slash overindulgers slash, you know, the characteristics that we tend to have before we come in the rooms. Yeah, I agree. It does keep us right-sized as we say. And, and there is, there is no lengths that you can't grow to and expand to, but the more you do, it's like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> exactly. The more I know, the more I know less. Um. <laughs> yeah. I tell my clients sometimes, you know, whenever you're feeling like, oh, this thing you're worrying about is so incredibly important that it's going to keep you up at night. I think just remind yourself how big the universe is. And you are just a tiny speck in the smallest amount of time of the universe. It is not that important. It is not that important. So this is why we need to, in my opinion, our biggest purpose and goal every day, at least for me, is to have fun and to be in your joy as much as you possibly can, because those are the vibrational levels then that you will continue to uh, grow. And that's what gratitude is all about. 
and love and acceptance of other people, when you don't give a crap what other people do, it makes your life so much easier, like letting go of control. And again, but you said a really important thing before too, having faith, having faith that you, you know, you're going to turn it over. It's going to be okay. No matter what crap you're going through, it really in the big scheme of things doesn't matter. And it's always for your highest personal growth. Everything happens for your highest good. That's a belief that I instilled in myself a long time ago so that even when we're incredibly challenged, we can get past it. Maureen, you're so amazing. You are. I could listen to you all day, <laughs> but I feel like it's such a good way to kind of wrap things up by having fun and being in your joy. I mean, that that makes my heart sing. Like literally, I can hear it humming right now. Awesome. So let's, can we go around and just each person share, what is your favorite thing to do and how are you going to enjoy the day or what's your favorite thing to do in your day? I'll go what first. makes you happy? Yeah. Um, I'm Lynn. Um, the, the weekends I look to, forward to now because our weather is getting nice. I have a hiking buddy and we found this new place in the woods. And it was last weekend when I was there, I realized how important it is for me to be in nature. And it just, it that gives me that vibrational energy that I need. It really just lights up my soul. One of my Perfect. friends, I took a selfie and one of my friends saw it and she said, I saw the inner Lynn today in that picture. That's awesome. Aww. Yeah. That's awesome. Bree. Oh, me? Oh, I have so many favorite things to do. <laughs> um, but with the ni- nicer weather, I definitely love rollerblading. So oh. it's been on my mind over the last week. I'm kind of like planning in my, you know, I, every day I look at the weather and go, okay, is today the day, you know, is there, got to wait for there to be no rain. And um, yeah, so I'm just excited for for that to start soon. Awesome. My, I have two, I have two. I love to do anything creative painting, but my number one favorite thing to do is to connect with other people and to have these kind of conversations. That's my favorite thing. That's where I get all geeked out and jazzed up and all loving on the world and the, the opportunity and the just life, you know, that, that is what brings me the most joy. You and I are alike like that. And mine is that I have these four beautiful grandchildren that are like six, five, three, and one. And today I get to go to Costco and buy three Easter dresses for the girls. (laughs) And I'm going to bring them over and get all kinds of hugs and kisses because, yeah, that brings me so much joy. And the second thing, if I don't get to see them, as soon as this weather is nice, I am out on the motorcycle. Oh, you ride? Ride free. Yes. So yes, I wait. Do. <laughs> you are a badass, Maureen. <laughs> What's your bike? Well, I have a 2009 Honda. It's actually an automatic. Uh-huh. And my husband has a 1975 Goldwing, Honda Goldwing that we, he just restored. And we're going to go out on that when we drive the two wheelers. But when we travel and we have ridden across country before, we go on the trike. We have a trike yeah. with a trailer and it is a freaking blast. Yeah. I used Talk to have a, I used to have a Ninja 500. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. In Alaska? No. No, no. It was in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to think about nice. where I was. All right. Well, how about some golden nuggets, girls? So many. Um, I think at the end when uh, Maureen said, have fun and be in your joy and that everything happens for our highest good. And I, I absolutely believe that too. Everything does happen for my highest good. And I like that um, when you're in a leadership role that you are a witness to people's growth. Mine is that forgiveness is so underrated and we, we yeah. need to forgive ourselves first and Um, I think that goes for people that struggle with alcoholism and addiction, as well as everybody else. We're way too hard on ourselves. And my other one was people will treat you the way you allow them to treat you. So step up and step out. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. My golden nugget today was just being reminded of what a gift it is to actually be an alcoholic, like how much I have to be grateful for 
you know, the things that make me capable of being a good leader, a good listener, a good friend. Um, you know, sometimes I think I take that for granted, you know, instead of wearing it as a badge of honor, I just either don't think of it at all, or I, or sometimes I even believe it holds me back. And I don't think focus too much on the negatives in, of who I am in my life, instead of thinking about all of the positive characteristics that innately just from being an addict or alcoholic that innately make me a great leader the things the program has taught me that really, really helped me. So I need to spend a lot more time focusing on those things. Well, so awesome. What about you, Miss Maureen? What was your golden nugget? Well, I will just share with you that you guys, you have a great thing going on here. And I am so delighted to have been a part of it. I see all of you, um, how, you know, the brightness, the light that you are shining. Keep shining your light, man, because you have a really, really good thing going here. And I'm just happy to be a part of it today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I would like to plug our clubhouse room. Maureen and I are moderating together and it's on Thursdays at five. And each week we started with one topic, but I think we realized that we're going to do different topics every week. So, um, so I have an idea and I'll tell you about it offline, but, um, um, just, just come. And if you're not on clubhouse, I have, I have six more invites. We can always invite, you have to have an iPhone. It's really fun. Um, and there's recovery rooms in there too. So there's all kinds of cool stuff going on around clubhouse and Maureen, what do you, do you want to plug anything, uh, that you have going on more specifically? Well, since I spoke about the disc assessment, I know I do have an offer on my website uh, for $149. You can get a a full psychological assessment. It's a 20 minute online with that 20 page report and a one hour Zoom with me. Um, So there's and there's other opportunities available also on my site for free downloads for like an inventory, a values inventory, leadership skills inventory that you learned in recovery and a few other things. So I'd love it if people would check out my website at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com. Also, I'm going to be putting in the resources uh, all the information about our clubhouse meetings that people can attend. So that would be good. So exciting and so happy that we met. You you really are an inspiration to me. And and, um, man, what a gift. What a gift we all have from this, this, this little coin, this crazy COVID coin that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. So modem to modem. It said it in the big book. They manifested this. (laughs) Very true. Thank you. Thanks, Maureen. Thank you, Maureen. Tribe out. Tribe out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Telling on Ourselves. Please rate, review, share, subscribe, download our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want more Telling on Ourselves, Please find us and follow us and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Telling on Ourselves. Tribe out.